Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. to know by any chance what words of Jesus are repeated more frequently in the New Testament than any other words? Would it be the story of the feeding of the 5,000, something from that? Would the most frequent words of Jesus be something about loving your enemies? Or when he asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? Well, I will tell you, more than any other words of Jesus in the New Testament, these ones appear repeatedly. If any people want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, 
and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. So what does it mean to pick up your cross? Is it like picking up the laundry from the floor in your bedroom? Is it akin to picking up your wallet and making a donation to the United Way? Does it have to do with owning a hardship in your life and bearing it with as little resentment as possible? We'll talk about these things, but first I want you to hear the fullness of that passage from the 8th chapter of Mark's Gospel, beginning at the 31st verse. Then Jesus began to teach the people that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Jesus called the crowd with his disciples, and he said to all of them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world? and forfeit their life. So reads the eighth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, and hear now a word, if you will, about what this taking up of one's cross might actually have to do with. Here's my quick summary, by the way, of Mark's Gospel. The first half, the first, well, eight chapters, uh, Jesus is showing people how to live. He's healing people, he's telling stories, He's teaching us how to live. The second half of Mark's gospel, Jesus starts to show people how to die, how to begin to let go. Now that you've got a life, I'm going to show you how to let go of that life. I'm going to show you how to stop guarding it like a possession. I'm going to show you how to be less afraid of death. That's the second half. And today, we are right at the intersection of those two halves. When Jesus says, whoever would follow me, they must take up their cross and deny themselves. So Jesus here is um, talking very openly about his own suffering and his own death. And what this is doing is it is spooking the disciples. You might get that way if a friend of yours says, I don't, uh, you know, uh, I've lived enough years. I'm tired of chemotherapy. I'm ready to die. And you think, whoa, 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 I thought we had more time. But no, I'm ready to die. This is Jesus in the prime of his life, the prime of his ministry, maybe 32, 33 years old, and he's telling the disciples, I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to die. They're thinking, if someone this good, someone that's made of what Jesus is made of, if he's not going to be spared from suffering and death, well, what does that mean for us? The same thing. So here is, I think, the myth that we live under. Check me on this, if you would. Uh, That if we are very, very good, we think to ourselves with our lives, if we're very good with all that we do, God will spare us. Bad things will not happen to us because God's not going to let them happen to us because we're very, very good. We're trying to behave our best. We'll be protected. 
But if Jesus was as good as he was, and he wasn't safe, well then look out, we're all essentially vulnerable, right? Here's how Jesus spoke to the crowd that was trying to absorb all this, that suddenly got anxious about their lives and their own safety and their own comfort as they're comparing their lives with what he just said. If any want to become my followers, says Jesus, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what good is it to gain the whole world but to give up your life in the process? In other words, if we are not afraid to lose this myth that I just described to you, that we're going to be protected from all bad things and we won't suffer and death will be so far in the distant future we don't have to worry about it, then we might be surprised to discover a really good life if we could let go of that myth. The image that Jesus uses here, by the way, to, to get this point across is nothing less than the cross. He says, if anyone will become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross. You make, and I make, religious associations with the cross. Some of you right now have a necklace in the shape of a cross around your neck. It's your reminder of your devotion to Jesus, of your confidence in your faith. And, and the cross, frankly, for us symbolizes that somebody died for the sake of the world's mess and our sin. But when Jesus spoke these words, the cross, it didn't have any religious association at all. As most of you know, it was the execution device of the Roman Empire. We drive down Brady Street and we see a cross with it. Oh, there must be a church nearby. In the first century, you walk by anything and you see a cross, you know who's in charge. You, you know who has the power. It was meant to intimidate. That was the chief purpose of the cross. It scared the pants off of you. It's, you know, the, some of the eeriest clips in American history are those of the Ku Klux Klan. These cowardly dudes in white gowns with hoods on their heads, carrying torches and shouting at night. Their only purpose in doing that was to intimidate anybody who wasn't white. Folks who carry a firearm on their hip in states and places where there's open carry. Their only purpose in doing so is to intimidate or scare you, as in, don't mess with me, which is usually what it, in fact, evokes. People paint swastikas on subway cars. Gangs tag places with graffiti to intimidate another rival gang. People bully with language as a means of scaring you or scaring somebody. I once did a kid's message up here. I don't remember why I purchased the sign at K&K Hardware that says, Beware of Dog. But when I finished the kid's message, I took it home, I stuck it up in our garage, and it's been there for 10 years. We don't have a dog, but <laughs> if you break into my garage, you'll, you'll, you'll jump. You'll, you'll say, whoa, this is kind of intimidating. That was the function of the cross. Yeah, it was a very effective means of punishment and death, not efficient, but very effective and cruel. But boy, could it intimidate. 
And if you want to know the scariest, what the scariest things in life are, just look at the cross and you'll see suffering and you will see death. When Jesus told his disciples to pick up the cross or their crosses, it wasn't a reference to some malady that they have to live with or some irritable in-laws that they have to put up with or some frustrating neighbors that they live next to. He was looking straight into the eyes of these disciples and this crowd and looking into their fear and their fright and their intimidation. As long as fear and intimidation organize your life and mine, well, then I can tell you and you can tell me how our lives operate. If you're scared of something, you don't do it. If you're not scared of something, you do it. So, for example, if you're scared of trying a new food, well, then you don't try the new food, according to this logic of life. If you're intimidated by the idea of meeting a brand new neighbor, well, you don't go meet them. If you're frightened, frightened by a recent medical diagnosis, well, you just pretend it'll go away. If you fear making big decisions, just don't make them. If arthritis has you spooked and frightened, well, just assume, act as if God has wronged you. If you're scared of reckoning with the aging process, well, then don't use any devices that might assist you, whether it's hearing or sight or, or a cane or mobility walker. Don't ever move from the house that you've enjoyed for so long. Don't shed any of your household possessions. You might need them on your deathbed. If you're scared of something, don't do it. If you're not scared of it, don't do it. That's kind of the logic by which we live. Well, Jesus is trying to reach inside that logic and trying to get inside the fear that is saturating these disciples' lives. And when he says, follow me, it has nothing to do with assuring them, or us, of our comfort or of our safety. If you follow me, you'll be all safe, folks. No, he doesn't say that. This has everything with us being scared much of the time or intimidated or enveloped by fear. And frankly, most of us, we don't have to go looking very far to find things that we're afraid of because they're laying right on our front doorstep or in our kitchen or in our head. It could be a fear of speaking up to someone that needs to be talked to, frankly, a conversation that needs to happen and you can make it happen. It could be that your mind isn't as sharp as it once was, and you're scared about that. It could be a, a reluctance on your part or mind to speak up with courage about a moral issue where we ought to be talking. Or maybe there's a memory of something in your life that you just can't erase. It won't leave your mind. Whatever intimidates you, Jesus says, pick it up. It's not nearly as scary as you've made it out to be. And if you let it lie there, it might just kill you. He says something more. He says if you try to hold on too tightly to something, you're going to lose it. It's going to just slip out of your grasp. Yeah, if you, if you try to save your life, stockpile it, Preserve it, secure it, 
protect it cautiously, be wary of anybody who wants to enter that life. If you're scared about picking up anything that scares you, that's no way to live. It's certainly not abundant life. And if you and I live that way, we shouldn't expect to enjoy life. We shouldn't expect to accomplish much either. And we won't find ourselves, or others won't find us rather, available to them. When all is said and done, and you're safe, and your comfortable life has concluded, it may be that people won't even miss you all that much. I've noticed in my life, over conducting hundreds of funerals and memorial services, that the ones that have the most power and the most impact on everybody who gathers happen to be for people who didn't save their life up and live primarily for their own safety or for their own comfort, but rather for people who spent their life, who gave it away in thousands of ways, generously, sacrificially, those are powerful funerals. We have a 24-year-old woman in this congregation. Since high school, she's been determined to work with people with special needs. And so for 50 hours a week, she works with some really difficult situations. Kids that have very significant behavioral disorders. They are linguistically challenged. They are aggressive in the extreme. Numbers of them wear helmets. Sometimes she puts on a helmet. But when you talk to her, this is how she wants to spend her life. She loves what she does. And my guess is she'll do all kinds of creative things the rest of her life as she gives it away. As she doesn't just try to secure it safely and securely. I probably won't be doing her funeral many, many years from now. But my bet is it's going to be a powerful day of huge impact. I think you know what this wisdom of Jesus is like, what he's trying to communicate through these, through these words. If parents try to hold on to and control their children too long, they will drive their kids away. But parents who give more and more of that control over to the kids as they grow and they can assume it, those parents, they will gain friendship and relationship with beautiful adult children for the rest of their lives. Maybe you know someone who grew up in a very conservative, fundamental church, and they had so much doctrine pounded into them. They had so many teachings pounded into them. They had so many hours, three days a week at the church. It just drove them away. And they said, forget faith, forget religion, forget a faith community. I'm done. If you want to have a life that's worthwhile. You and I, we have to give it away. We have to lose it in all kinds of different ways in order to obtain something that's greater. And we have to realize that there's something worse than suffering. There's something worse than death. It's called fear. It's called being scared out of our pants sometimes. Jesus says, stop running from your cross. It isn't nearly as scary as you think it is. Just stop where you are, bend over, pick up that cross, and just start believing in God more than believing 
in your fear. And if you can do that, and if I can do that, life will just overflow with abundance. You will be a stream that never dries up. You will be a comfort to people who live very afraid lives. And you will be a blessing to all kinds of people in this world who have no idea what to make of Jesus. Amen. The Word of God is light in my darkness, hope for the hopeless, strong and true. The Word of God is strength for the weary, a shield for those who trust in you, a shield for those who trust in you. Everything will fade, everything will fade, the heavens and the earth will pass away, but you will remain, yes you will invite you to join me in speaking the Lord's Prayer as we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins 
as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Well, friends, how do we live a worthwhile life that we can feel good about? According to Jesus, it has to do with giving our lives away to others however and whenever we can. But it also means believing in God and trusting God more than we believe in some of our worst fears. May the blessing of God accompany you this entire week as you seek to live a life worth living. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.